0: Everybody wants to know God. They're created to know God. The reason they don't know God is they have a wrong picture of Him. You see, if if I had a wrong picture of God, I wouldn't want to know Him either. and And so what I've been trying to do for the last twenty five years is help people get a right picture.
1: Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we talk with two men who show us that God is always with us and shows up in our lives—sometimes in ways we'd never expect—leadership coach John Maxwell and pastor and author Nate Pyle. First up, for more than 50 years, John Maxwell has honed his leadership skills, first as a pastor, then as a mentor and speaker to business leaders around the globe. Today, he tells us about his unlikely shift from pastor to business coach, how he's learned far more from his failures than from his success, and why the Jesus Calling app is one of his go-to resources.
0: Hi, my name is John Maxwell, and um, for 25 years I was a pastor and loved it and kind of thought I would do that and be that all my life. I was writing books while I was pastoring. And my publisher one day came to me and said, you realize two thirds of your books are being read by the business community. And I was totally shocked by that. I, truthfully, I was really kind of writing for pastors to help them learn how to lead better. And and kind of, that was kind of my audience, or at least I thought it was my audience. And what I discovered was through the publisher that the business community was taking my principles and they um, they were applying it into their business. And uh, it makes sense to me now because, you know, everything I know about leadership is from the Bible. So even when I'm in the corporate world where I am now, immediately I felt called to go into that world because they don't have a lot of salt and light. And I thought, I'm gonna leave the choir. (laughs) I'm gonna leave the the church as we know it, and I'm gonna go and do ministry to people that, you know, the church isn't even on their radar screen. So. Long story now, I started off as a pastor for 25 years and then for the last basically 25 years now, I've been in the business world being salt and light. I think God's Word is the ultimate leadership book. It really is. If you wanna know how to lead well, you just read the Word and and there are just leadership stories and principles that you can just apply to your life. It's a pretty big leadership from going as a as a trained theologue with pastor church for 25 years and shifting over to the business world, which I didn't have a business degree, uh, and, and trying to connect with them, I knew I was called, but I didn't know how effective I would be. And for the first couple three years, it was all uphill because I I, I you know I, I have to connect with them in their world, the common uh, strand. Was the leadership principles that I, I I had learned out of the Bible, but this was a, a mega shift, and uh, so I, I knew I was called, but I didn't know how effective I would be. And for the first couple three years, it was all uphill because I I, I you know I, I have to connect with them in their world, and I'll never forget this was really in my first year when I made that shift, um, being on Kiowa Island and speaking to the largest lumber broker company in the world. And at the end of the day, they asked me, they raised their hand, they said, um, your leadership stuff, it, it's different. Where, where did you get it? And I told them, I said, you don't want to know. <laughs> and of course you tell somebody they don't want to know and it just makes them want to know, you know? And so I said, no, no, no you, you don't want to know. And, and, and so now they got their hand back up so said, no, no, we really do want to know. And I said, you know, if I tell you, you're going to be disappointed. So I think we're better off just to not know. Well, they can't handle this. No, we want to know. So I said, well, everything I've taught you today, I learned from the Bible. And you should have seen it. I mean, there was an audible like, oh. And I said, I told you. I told you you we're going to be disappointed. That wasn't what you thought I would say. And and I told you you'd be disappointed. I said, now, I I know you have a cocktail hour tonight at seven o'clock and I'll be there. I'll be over in the corner. And if you have any questions about God or uh, about life and you just haven't been able to put it together, I'll just hang there. Just come over and talk to me and I'll do my best to maybe help you or answer the question. I went down there wondering if anybody would come even say hi to me. I mean, after I told them where I got all my leadership material. And, and when it, as soon as I got there, there were a group gathered and, and I got over in the corner and, and the line for the next hour never stopped and people were just asking me questions about God. And I can tell you, I walked out of that cocktail hour so convinced of my calling. I do a teaching on the four pictures of God. The first three are the wrong pictures of God. The first picture is a wall, a big foreboding wall. And and we're on the outside and God's on the inside. And a lot of people, when they think of God, they go, yeah, there's a God. But they never make what they would call a a personal relationship or connection with him. Because they've got this wall, this this barrier. And and, and then I help them say, you know, if you have that picture of God, it's a wrong picture. It really is. And and the reason I know that is, is because in the very beginning, I mean, you go back to God creating man, Adam and Eve. When they sinned, they, they hid from God. It was God who came looking for them. It wasn't man saying, oh, my gosh, I blew it. I got to go get to God and tell him I'm sorry, and I got to kind of make amends here. No, no, no. They hid. We all hide. I hide. You hide. Sin causes us to hide. God will jump the wall. That's what he, I mean, that's what Jesus did. I mean, he jumped the wall, came out of heaven, came earth, put on the clothes of flesh, the whole deal. He jumped the wall to get to you. The second picture that people have, the raw picture of God, again, is like a stairway to heaven, and, and I'm gonna climb it. It's like a stairway of good works. And I'm just gonna be a good person, a good neighbor, a good family person, and, and they start climbing, they can start climbing, they start climbing. And, and the fact that, that it's a gift. And, and there's, there's nothing that we can do to deserve or, you know, we just get prideful and kind of look at each other and compare ourselves and say, I think I'm a little closer than you because I'm a little bit better person. And it just doesn't work. The third picture, though, is I tell them, to, you know, picture of, like, a oh, this is terrible, a garbage dump. And, and, you know, there's nothing enduring about a garbage dump. I mean, nobody has ever said, let's go take a walk by the garbage dump today. Nobody ever does this. No, 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 no. The, what happens is, it's a garbage dump. And we don't want to see the garbage, we don't want to smell the garbage, we don't, we, we don't want to get around the garbage. And, and there are a lot of people, they got a whole bunch of garbage in their life. And, and what they say is, God is not interested in me. I mean, if, if, if you knew what I had done, and, 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 and so I help them, I say, you know, again, wrong picture. In fact, what's really interesting is, God's incredibly interested in all your junk. You know, when Jesus was on earth, the religious community, the hardest part of the religious community was handling Jesus was he was always hanging with sinners. And they they couldn't handle this. And and Jesus said, let me explain something to you. I'm a doctor. basically the people I see are sick people. And and he just said, you got to understand, I'm on a mission. And my mission is to get around people that have garbage in their life. And then the last picture is the door where Jesus is knocking to heart's door. And basically he's saying, I want a relationship with you. By the way, he initiates the relationship. I don't If I'm a thousand steps from God, he takes 999 steps to my door. He just says, Maxwell, can you just take one step and open the door? I want to come in. He initiates the whole relationship. And I talk to him about how God really wants a relationship with them more than they want a relationship with him. And how that relationship has the ability to change their life. One of the things I believe in your spiritual growth is all is well that begins well. And so I think uh, the first part of the day needs to have some time in your faith and in your relationship with God. And Jesus calling, I mean the, the phone app, okay, to where every day I can get a message from Jesus calling. I mean, I not only get it, I would say 25% of the time I'm passing on someone else. And I'm saying, oh, this I just read this. And what's beautiful about it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not uh, long, you can do it in a couple of minutes. It's very simple. It's extremely connecting and relational, and it's very uplifting. And whenever I share my faith with somebody, being a Christian, the first thing I tell them is to get the, the app, Jesus Calling. I, I say, the first thing you wanna do is, is start going to Jesus Calling every day. And, um, so there's this wonderful business lady that I led to the Lord recently. And, and so I, I, I said, now, okay, get the Jesus Calling app. I mean, I have done this thousands of times, get the Jesus Calling, you know, get it. And every day, start your day with that. And uh, I said, well, how's it going? And, and she said, well, she said, um, it's going good. I read Jesus Calling this morning. And I said, read it every day, read, make, make it a habit. If you want to really develop a habit, you've got to have something that's easy to get to. You've got to be going to it, not having to get to it. That app is just, to me, I mean, the book has got, I've got the book also, but I mean, to me, it's kind of like I'm on the run, I'm not home, I'm, I'm, I'm on a I'm on a trip, boom, got it. I don't know of anything that has been an encouragement to Christians more than Jesus Calling. I, I know, it, for me, it's, it's like number one, and I just find it, it feeds me daily and I like to pass it on daily. The book leadership is all about shifts that we make in our life that will allow us to basically connect better with people so that we can have a, a stronger relationship with them and add value to them and help them a lot. When people ask me how to, they apply leader shifts to their life, well, most people, they think, well, if I'm not a leader, this wouldn't be a book that would connect with me. And, and what I teach is very simple leadership. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. So you you don't have to have a leadership position to be a leader. Uh, A mom influences her family. So would you like to be able to influence them more effectively? If so, then let me teach you some leadership influence principles that will help you do that. So leadership is all about uh, being adaptable, Uh, finding out uh, where other people are and, and, and meeting them on their common ground and asking questions. In fact, I have a whole chapter on, on asking questions and, and how I had to shift from directing where I would tell people what to do to connecting where I would ask questions and and the moment I asked questions I started connecting with people because now I'm valuing their opinion and I'm starting to influence and lead them from where they are not from where I am. I'm not saying come to where I am and let me influence you. I said no no let me find out where you are and see if I can help you here. And then bring them to perhaps where they would want to go. I've learned a lot more from my failures that I have from my successes, you know, when I'm succeeding, it's kind of like let's just celebrate and aren't we wonderful? But when I'm failing, I'm saying, okay, there's something's wrong here. I got, I got, I've, I've, I've got to figure this out. And 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 so what I really teach people all the time is to fail forward. That that, that as you as you fall, just you know, just go three, three feet, fall forward and get back up, and you've already gained three. And, and, and all my life, I've I've done a lot of of. of of failing forward. And um, I tell people all the time, you know, don't, don't count your losses, count your lessons. And so when people come to me and they'll say, oh, you know, I had a terrible loss here. I, okay, I'll listen to it. And when we're done, the, the first question I have is, okay, what did you learn? What, what did you change? What did you improve about this? Because if, if you learn from your lessons, if you learn these incredible lessons from failure, you don't repeat that failure.
1: You can find John's book, Leader Shift, or pre-order his next book called The Leader's Greatest Return at your favorite book retailer today. Stay tuned to hear from pastor and author Nate Pyle after a brief message about a way you can connect with other Jesus Calling readers each week in prayer. Did you know that Sarah Young, the author of Jesus Calling, prays for her readers each day In that spirit, we want to extend the Jesus Calling prayer community out to you in a more personal way. Each Tuesday morning, you can dial into the Jesus Calling weekly prayer call, where the team from Jesus Calling and special guests will minister to us during a 10-minute call to reflect on that day's passage from Jesus Calling, read Scripture references, and pray together for each other and our world. Prayer call times are 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Central, 6 a.m. Mountain, and 5 a.m. Pacific and are for US only. For more information on the Jesus Calling weekly prayer call or to submit prayer requests, please visit jesuscalling.com/prayer-call. Again, to join us in this community of prayer every Tuesday morning, please visit jesuscalling.com/prayer-call. As Nate Pyle stood at the altar next to his bride, he never imagined the four worst part of his wedding vows would play such a prominent role early in his young marriage. Nate and his wife Sarah became overwhelmed as they faced one complicated problem after another—infertility, an ectopic pregnancy, mental illness, and struggles with faith. Nate found himself thinking about the phrase people kept telling him, God won't give you more than you can handle which led him on a journey to wrestle with pain and suffering, and God's role in our lives through it all, which he wrote about in his latest book called More Than You Can Handle.
2: Hi, my name is Nate Pyle. I'm the pastor of Christ Community Church, which is a suburb on the north side of Indianapolis. And I also have the privilege of authoring books, so I've written a couple of books as well. The phrase God won't give you more than you can handle is connected to a verse in 1 Corinthians in which uh, Paul does say that God won't give you more than you can handle or more than you can stand up under, but he's directly talking about temptation in that passage. If we look in other places of Paul writes, right, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that when he is weak, right, he, he is weak. And, and there's one part where he talks about being weak to the point of despair. Right. And so if Paul hits that point where we're the super apostle of sorts, the person of that we hold up as, this is what it looks like, someone who can rejoice in suffering and can rejoice when life is going well. He rejoices in all things. But there's a point there are points in his life where Paul says, Yeah, even I reach the point of despair. And so in my weakness, Christ is made strong. And so this idea that God won't give you more than you can handle, I think is is a way in which we try to shelter ourselves from the world because the world is more than you can handle. Whether you have the diagnosis of cancer or you lose a spouse or a a child is going through an extreme illness. These are things that we can't handle. We can't handle the illness itself. We can't handle the the emotion that we're feeling. But even on the positive side, there are some things in life that are so good that we can't even possibly wrap our minds around. So much of life is more than we can handle. And, and, And so we have to recognize, that, particularly as it relates to the negative things in life, so that we can be weak. I think when we say to people, God won't give you more than you can handle, we're trying to strengthen them. And that's a good motive. But ultimately, what we also need to recognize is that Christ is stronger than you. And so in your weakness, allow yourself to be weak, feel the weakness, feel the inability to control the circumstances around you so that you have nothing left but to rely on Jesus. And so as our family went through infertility and ectopic pregnancies, and my wife dealt with some mental illness and anxiety issues, these are all things that I, I couldn't YouTube those. I couldn't YouTube how to fix infertility. And so for certain personalities, myself included, this letting go of control, this giving up of being able to fix it or being able to handle it and enter into our weakness as, as uh, finite human beings with limited power in the world, well, that's so – Hard, but it's also the most human thing to do it, it, It's to recognize our humanity and then allow god to to show up in the midst of that, however God might show up and begin to work something that is better than what we could do with our own hands. I think the difference at least for me between letting go and and giving up is. When I give up, I really abandon the desire to see anything in this particular circumstance happen. So, you know, for us with infertility, in that case, for me to give up would mean, well, we're just done trying and our family is the way that our family is going to be. And I have to just resign myself to that. Letting go Means that I'm still, I still hold on to the desire. Like we still wanted to see our family grow and to have more children. Uh, it, it, it simply meant letting go of of me trying to make that happen according to the dreams that, I've had, that I have had set before, uh, according to the visions or the pictures of what my family would look like and how my family would come to be. Letting go didn't say, well, I'm going to abandon that desire. It, it was like, I'm still going to take that desire to God, and I'm going to open myself up to the possibility that it's going to look very different. Um, and, and to not try to manipulate things around me. If we look at Job, if we look at the the psalms of lament, those psalms are filled with desire. Those psalms are filled with uh, people's hopes and dreams coming to the surface and saying, God, you've yet to deliver on this. And some of those are directly connected to God's promises, right? God promises to heal, and God promises to never abandon us, and then God promises uh, to protect us. And so I think the lament is is, is it plays an important role in continuing to hold our desires before God, to say, God, you have promised certain things and you've yet to deliver on them. And I'm not walking away from you and I'm not walking away from the promises. I actually still trust them deeply, but I'm going to continually uh, grieve and, and be in angst over the fact that these are unfulfilled promises. And I think that's what's so powerful about the story of Job. If you read through Job, Job holds nothing back from God, and in fact, tells God very clearly how he feels. There's one uh, passage, I believe it's in Job chapter 30, verse 20, where Job says, essentially he says, God, I'm standing here and all you do is merely look at me. And I think so many of us can relate to that. And, and that's Joe bringing all of who he is. God, I have been crying out to you for 30 chapters now, and you've yet to respond. You simply look at me. Uh But what we see is that Job's good grieving has a process to it in which he comes out at the end and says, I've heard of God, but now I see God. I think bad grief is when we try to short circuit that process where something bad happens, like at the beginning of Job, and we try to get people to jump all the way to chapter 42 of Job, where he says, well, now I see God. But we forget that Job needed all 42 chapters to get to that point, and we have to allow people the process of their Job experience experience so that they can hear those same words spoken to them by God. I think the other thing that we have to remember is we often want quick fixes, right? We, we want God to save us from the suffering experience. We want God to save us from cancer. We want God to save us from the loss of a loved one. And oftentimes when we say we want God to save us, what we really mean is we want God to keep us from ever having to go down that road. We don't want to be the person who experiences that. But when we read through the Bible, what we see more often than not is the way that God chooses to save his people is not to save them from the negative experience, but rather to save them through it. So the Israelites have to go through the Red Sea. Shadrach, Meshach, and the Abednego have to go through the fiery furnace, and Jesus has to go through death in order to receive resurrection. And that's the same for us. We have to go through death to get to resurrection. We have to sometimes go through pain to receive the intimacy with God. And so grief enters into that. But what's great is, is that God doesn't abandon us to that. Uh, God is with us. And that can, again, be one of those ethereal, sayings that we toss around. But this is where a church community really comes in, right? God is with us in the meals that show up through the cards, through the prayers. In fact, I w- I just had a conversation with someone who is going through a very difficult ordeal in our life. And he said to me, he said, Nate, um, I can actually feel when people are praying for me. And that's when the church really does become the presence of God on earth. So we have to remember that sometimes God shows up through the people who show up next to us as we're walking through something difficult.
1: God is always with us, many times in ways we don't expect. Nate reads a passage from Jesus Calling that helps us remember God never leaves our sides, even during our darkest moments.
2: Here's a passage from Jesus Calling from September 10. I am always available to you. Once you have trusted me as your Savior, I never distance myself from you. Sometimes you may feel distant from me. Recognize that as a feeling. Do not confuse it with reality. The Bible is full of my promises to be with you always. As I assured Jacob, when he was journeying away from home into unknown places, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. After my resurrection, I made this promise to my followers. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let these assurances of my continual presence fill you with joy and peace. No matter what you may lose in this life, you can never lose your relationship with me. For me, what that passage points to is the hope that we sing about and celebrate every Christmas, Emmanuel. God with us. And I think that's the greatest hope that we can have. Uh, we may never get an explanation for what we're going through, through the pain that we experience, through the circumstances that we have to endure. But what we get is intimacy. We get Jesus with us, mourning with us, rejoicing with us, uh, walking with us, surrounding us with his grace that is embodied in his people, and even with his spirit. So uh, for me, that idea of God with us, and I just love how Sarah hits that phrase over and over again in that passage with you with you with you suffering is the common denominator for all humans it's the thing we share in common the suffering that we experience is the suffering of a broken world in which now there's meaningless suffering suffering pain and injustice that that doesn't seem to be have any redemptive qualities whatsoever and that kind of suffering i believe breaks god's heart and i think it's too cold to say well that's it'll all make sense down the road i don't know that it will you know the bible never gives us an explanation for why suffering exists or why god continues to allow suffering. What the Bible promises to give us is that one day God will restore it and God will wipe every tear from every eye. And so what I believe is that we can trust that God as a good father sees our suffering, is broken over our suffering just as we are, and will someday wipe the tears from our eyes and we will be made whole as we are in intimate relationship with Him.
1: You can find Nate's latest book, More Than You Can Handle, at your favorite book retailer today. If you'd like to hear more stories about where God shows up in ways we don't expect, check out our interview with Bishop T.D. Jakes. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we speak with Trevor Brazil, a world champion rodeo athlete. Trevor attributes his success not only to his hard work and dedication, but God's hand in elevating his talents to a level where he can connect with a large audience about his faith.
0: I wanna be careful that people know where my blessings come from, because if you line all the successful rodeo athletes up, I'm gonna look like the shepherd boy, David. And I think to this day, that's why I was chosen because Everybody could see that it wasn't all athleticism. It wasn't all, you know, self done, that God had his hand on me my whole career.
1: Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live. Find previously broadcast interviews on our YouTube channel on IGTV or on jesuscalling.com slash video.